The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management, or other hosts or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented by KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. Welcome back to Intune. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton. Intune is a two-hour weekly broadcast which focuses and reflects on issues that impact and connects our community in the greater St. Louis area. Our topics include the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, history, housing, humor, and justice. We're going to talk about the history of bicycles. That is big because when you think about bicycles, and we all have had them when we were growing up. Well, maybe, let me ask let me ask Mr. New Yorker here. New Yorker? Mr. Yorker, did you have a bicycle? <laughs> I haven't had a bicycle since I was a kid. Uh-oh. Yeah. Do you know, I got my first bicycle in 1959, Christmas of 1959. My mom still has a picture of this. We must have had three feet of snow outside. <laughs> I had my dad go out into the driveway, and he drove the car back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and made me a path. And December of 2059, with all the snow out there, I am out there riding my bicycle. <laughs> of the, course you were. This is a brand new bicycle. Brand new. It's like Ralphie with his uh, BB gun. I didn't put my eye out with that. But you know what? That bicycle lasted three generations. My grandchildren were riding that bike. Well, by golly, Ellie, that's when they made them. <laughs> <laughs> Did it have tail fins? Yeah. It, it had the had the uh, the things coming out of the handles, the streamers, the, the streamers. streamers yeah. That's right, exactly. But it was those. blue and white. I tell you, and I rode that bike everywhere. We did too. We rode our bikes like we rode them into the ground. <laughs> into, no, you weren't supposed to ride them into the ground. <laughs> On top of the ground, top, Arnold. Oh, is that, is that what you're supposed to do? That's what you're supposed to I do. I remember it would have been years since I had ridden a bike. And when you mentioned that, Chris, that you hadn't had a bike since you were a kid, when I bought a bike as an adult, which was about probably 12 or 13 years ago. Because you're only 35 now, right? Right, right. <laughs> pushing pushing 34. And I got on the bike in the bicycle store parking lot and almost fell over. <laughs> I say, where are those people that say, yeah, you never forget how to ride a bicycle? Yeah, I was going to ask, is riding a bike like riding a bike? You know, I have fallen off of a bike, too. I was in Costa Rica, and we all got together and decided we were going to ride a bike. And I got on this bike, and don't you know, I fell and fell off the side of the road. It was was really bad. It wasn't just fall down. Did you air up the tires before? You know, maybe that was the problem, but... It was really bad. Let me put it that way. It was one of those things that they saw me when they when they really realized that I had fallen off the road on the bike. They looked up and they saw me walking the bike. Yep. I was afraid to get back on it. I understand that. But bikes, remember how bikes used to be very inexpensive? And now oh, you crazy. don't you almost need to take out a, a loan to buy a bicycle nowadays. Well, and bikes have gotten to the point where they are now electric bikes. And in the 12 o'clock hour, we're going to talk to Bill Sourwine from Pedago St. Louis, an electric bike company. Okay. But, you know, I always think of, you know, bicycles are there because you want to get exercise. You want to move your arms and your legs. And you want to breathe. Now, an electric bicycle, all I have to do, isn't that called a motorcycle or a moped? No, it's a little different. Do I because still you, pedal? Can, you can still pedal if you want. I see. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm going to wait until we it, have our guests. It's on electric and ask assist, you. or you know. I see. Well, it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it is for you know, those of us who are you know 35 and up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it helps out very and much. Up, 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 yeah. up. Bill Sourwine is here. He's he came early. 
He rode his bike over here. Got here, fa- got here faster than he thought he was going to get. <laughs> he didn't know that those pedagogues go as fast. Well, he does know that they go that fast. Pedago, that's right. I like that. Pedago. Pedago. Ped for feet. Go for go. Pedal, pedaling as you go. Pedago. I like that. Did you make that up? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm not that creative. Hey, I'm going to start this segment actually with some humor because I thought it would be a good way to do this. We're going to we're going to talk about the history of bicycles, folks. Okay. Very interesting. But I this this would be a great one. You know, there was a fellow who decided to take a bicycle ride from Phoenix to Flagstaff, and for those of you who aren't aware, that's Arizona. He rode the first hour or so, and then got very tired, as the ride is mostly uphill. So he decided to hitchhike. For about a half an hour, no one came. Then a Corvette stopped and offered a ride. The biker looked at the car and said, I can fit in the trunk, but what about my bike? The driver said, no problem. I have a rope in the trunk, and I will tie one end on the bumper and the other end on the bike, and I will pull you. I will go kind of slow, and if I get going too fast, just honk your horn, and I will slow down. So they took off, and everything was fine until another Corvette just flew past them. Not to be outdone, the driver stepped on the gas to catch him. Well, they drove through a speed trap, and the first police officer radioed the second and said, you have two Corvettes coming at you doing about 120 miles an hour, and you won't believe this, but there's a guy on a bicycle behind them honking to pass. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so bicycles. We know Chris rode his bicycle last when he was 13. Oh, I'm going to say more like, you know, 17, 18. 17, 18. Yeah. Okay, that was just two or three years ago. Yeah, but, you know, you have to realize, too, that at that point, then it became not cool to go pick up your date on a bicycle. You know, it, really. If somebody rode up to me and said, okay, girl, let's get on my bicycle. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for the guy with the car. That's right. The well, Corvette. <laughs> I, I thought it was interesting that three-speed bikes were a big deal. And then when my brother got one of those Stingray with the handlebars and the banana seat and the gear shift, it was a five-speed in the middle. I thought, wow, he's living high off the hog there. I had one of those. What what model was it? Do you remember? Do you it remember was, what color? It was like emerald green emerald green yeah yeah i had the yellow one it was called the lemon peeler yeah i don't know what this was it was the, the lime are, crawlers i think those <laughs> are worth crawler. a lot of money now yeah they are they yeah. are worth a lot of money so he had that and it had the high handlebars you know yep yep mm-hmm. and i thought man that's that's hard to ride you know and i remember we raced down the street and we weren't supposed to because my dad told us we shouldn't do that and we were going so fast my brother lost control and he hit his head on the pavement, and we didn't wear helmets back then. No, there nobody had helmets. helmets. Nobody yet. There weren't helmets invented except for motorcycles. And, uh, and still so nobody wore them. <laughs> my brother started crying, and we go inside, and my dad says, were you guys racing? No, we were just rolling down the hill. <laughs> we were just going fast down the hill. Just going very fast down the hill. So bicycles, you can actually trace this back to Leonardo da Vinci. Some people trace it back to him. Wow. Him, some sketches that an assistant of his had and a, a student but some say oh you know that's just a bunch of nonsense that really wasn't true the real story was about bicycles was from the 19th century and a german baron named carl von dross he I made thought the, it would have been carl van bicycle <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and thus the bicycle was named <laughs> yeah that's right okay well he created a steerable two-wheeled contraption in 1817 and it was made out of wood, believe it or not. It did not include a chain, brakes, or pedals. 
you kind of used your feet yeah. like Barney Rubble and well it's kind of like how these real young youngsters ride bikes now I saw like some three-year-olds riding they have a bike and the thing like sits you know three inches off the ground and they they use their legs and they propel themselves forward that way it was kind of a clunky wooden prototype propelled a 50 pound frame using walking and running so you would run and Move that way, and you kind of jump on it. You leap on it. No, you sat on it, and you just oh, walked. oh, oh, you use like you walked like you had it on. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was a good way to get exercise. So it was known by many names, including the hobby horse, the velocipede, and the running machine. I like velocipede. Yeah, velocipede's a, a very interesting name. That is a good one. Velocipede, velocity plus your pets. That's right. I like that one. Moving feet. Yeah. There is such a history. I had no idea, though, that the first bicycle was made of wood. Made of wood. But then, I guess wood was getting a little hard to ride, make it a little sore. And I just think, if if you really went very, very fast and you you created a spark... You'd, You'd really set the place on fire. You'd set the place... It burned up the whole town as you were riding through town. So, in 1864... There were two French carriage makers, and they would revolutionize the bicycle world. Pierre Michaud and Pierre Lalleman, they saw how the dandy horse is used, and they devised a plan to attach pedals to the front wheel and install a driving seat on the support beam. So you have two wheels with a support beam, and then you have pedals on the front. Now, there's still no chain, so it's a direct drive. That must have been... Tough on the legs. Well, they called it the bone shaker. <laughs> <laughs> they knew what they were doing, didn't they? Yeah, it was it was a very efficient model, easy to produce, mass production. So the bone shaker was made out of iron instead of wood. And soon they started to include rubber tires and ball bearings. And one of the popular designs of that time was the bicycle with the large front wheel. I yeah, think we've all kind yeah, of seen that. Seen that. And that was created by a Frenchman. The French really were, you know, besides walking on the beach with their hands behind their back, wearing all black in the summertime with their beret. That's it. They were working on bicycles also. After having just sipped on some wine. Don't forget that part. That's correct. And holding the croissants behind The croissants. That's right. This popular design with a large front wheel was mass produced basically uh, by an Englishman, James Starley. And... That's the high wheel one that we kind of see in a lot of pictures, you know, where people are riding. It was more comfortable than the bone shaker, which you can understand. Had higher speeds, a lighter frame, but it was hard to ride downhill. Imagine that. Guess that. Or uphill. (laughs) Guess that. That's right. So uh, in England, they loved it because I guess they always used it on flat surfaces. That's just a guess. And that's also the kind of bicycle that you used to see in the circus. That's correct. You know, when they would have the, the clowns riding the bicycles. You can move fast with those wheels that large, you know. You'd have to get on a ladder to get up there. Yeah, because one rotation man takes you like down the whole block. Right, right. So after that, there was another Englishman, John Kemp Starley. He created his first quote-unquote safety bicycle. I guess all the other ones were unsafe bicycles. Exactly. Well, they Uh, sounded like it. they, They did. So that invention is regarded as kind of the the real turning point in bicycle history it featured a chain that connected pedals to the rear wheel and a steerable front wheel this device called rover not the dog but called rover ignited the era known as the golden age of bicycles and bicycles then had these four basic aspects safety speed comfort and steering 
They all had the diamond-shaped design, you know, the wheels and the, the frame. Made from metal, pneumatic rubber tires, a roller chain, one gear, and coaster brakes. Now, I always loved coaster brakes. And why is that? Well, you could you could only go so fast because it was only a single-speed bike, okay? But you go so fast, and then you'd hit them coaster brakes, and you'd do a big skid. <laughs> I bet my friend Sam Madsen, who's watching, I bet you he probably did it like that when he was Oh, young. man. So before we got a three-speed, I got my three-speed, my brother got his five-speed banana seat, high-end. High we'd, we'd ride these single-speed bikes and use our, our brakes and crash them. We'd go real fast and crash them down and spin them to the side. And we'd want to see how much rubber we could lay onto the pavement. That's right. Exactly. Or if you were in gravel, then you could send oh, gravel, yeah. like, spreading all over yeah. the place. Yeah. You know, making yourself feel really cool. That was fun. It went along with, you know, making mud pies under the porch. (laughs) Okay. Not exactly. (laughs) But close, I guess. That's what we used to do. And so uh, the golden age of bicycles lasted from the 1900s to the 1950s. It was a very popular means of transportation, especially in Europe. You know, it still were, is. Yeah, it is in in Europe. The costs came down significantly, and then in the '60s and '70s, you see the benefits of exercise and energy rather than transportation uh, getting more important. 17 million riders started driving a new sort of a much lighter and cheaper bike, racing bikes, mountain bikes, BMX. Because now you see. You know, normally, what you would see like a motocross, you see BMX bikes yeah. doing that stuff. Yeah, exactly. And you talk about being in shape. I oh used to have gosh. a BMX. My, my husband and I had a BMX uh, set, and we paid quite a good penny for them, let me tell you. But we had the best time. We were living down um, in outside of Atlanta, and Atlanta had a wonderful park that had just fabulous trails all through it, and you could ride for hours and hours. And we just had the best fun. We were in really, really good shape then. That's when you could go out and you came home after school or on the weekend. You were out all day and you came back just before dark. Yeah, that's I mean, imagine. To be. And it helped people actually in employment because, you know, a lot of times the guy who threw the newspapers. Right. He had a patch pouch on his bike and he would just go and throw and fling the newspapers. You could go pick up bottles and go ref- get refunds at the store. Right. You could do so much with bikes back then. Yeah, we used to ride everywhere on our bikes. We did too. We really did. And never wore a helmet. And except for your brother, <laughs> who cracked his head. Right. Had a big, big abrasion right here on the right side of his noggin. Yeah. Now, most of us really didn't even think about riding without, but didn't think about this. We didn't think about putting on seat belts. We rode in the back of trucks and we did all kinds of things right. back then. We didn't have lights on our bikes. Yeah. We didn't have reflectors. No. We were just smart. Yeah. We got observant. We were, we were in tune with what was going on. Around us. That's right. We didn't have things plugged into our ears. Right. We were listening. We knew traffic. Wow. We knew how to read a map. We read street signs. And drivers respected us. Yes. So I think that um, there's a lot of difference in society today. I don't know where we broke down here, but it's like the more expensive the bike, the bikes became, then there became a little more peril involved with riding them. Well, you always saw that like when they would do the Tour de France or they would do on the Olympics where they would go around the velodomes. It's a velodome, right? It's a velodome. Yeah, okay. And there's a velodome, matter of fact, up on North Kings Highway at I-70. Oh, really? On the southeast corner. It was a very interesting velodome, and they're trying to revitalize it and, and revitalize the wrong word, renovate it. Renovate it. Okay. Well, yeah, the Tour de France, I would always look at that is the 
absolute best in bicycling, you know, because I mean, the, first of all, the view and the, and the scenery is just awesome. But when you think about the terrain in which that these these riders are going and how long they have to ride. Yeah, they're going like 25 miles an hour uphill. I'm like, seriously, I'm doing that downhill. <laughs> <laughs> and hoping you don't fall off, right? Yeah, exactly. You can find a bicycle built for two. You see these bicycles. I see these down in Soulard every once in a while, and I'm down there. It's, it's one where everybody's pedaling and I don't know where they're going, but they're all drinking. That's the problem. So somebody is driving, but they're all just pedaling, drinking beer. And the well, thing's propelling itself. There's a designated driver, yeah, I think that's bicycle. really important. And now you've got the little baby carriages that you can attach. Yes. I'm not quite sure I'd put my baby in that. I don't know that I would either. No, they don't look that safe. And you have the, the evolution of the bicycle now. And uh, in a little bit, we're going to be talking to uh, Bill Sauerwein from Pedago here in St. Louis. Uh, right over here at the Grants Trail Trailhead in Kirkwood, and electric bicycles. They've been around for a little bit. You know, we called them mopeds during the war. Matter of fact, during World War II, they used them quite a bit. Mopeds. And prior to the war, there was a German. There actually was a German bicycle company. I was telling Bill this name is the Stricker Bicycle Company. Really? Believe it or not, yeah. And big bicycle manufacturer. No relation that I can figure out. They had some small motors, but these. These particular electric bikes now you utilize uh, lithium batteries, and they're not like a an engine engine where those were more engines. Right, because I saw one outside because you know Bill brought it and he rode it here, and I was amazed at how it it just looked like a regular bicycle. Yes, yes, it was a be- it's a beautiful bicycle. I you, tell you, you that you should ride it before he leaves. I am. I plan to do that. You could you could just turn it on and go right up the hill. And hopefully and not, not pedal, fall off. And not pedal at all. <laughs> no, no, it's not the pedaling part. It's the falling off part that I'm worried about. When's the last about. time you rode a bike? Oh, my goodness. Well, when I fell off the bike in Costa Rica. Oh, how long ago was that? That was probably... <laughs> <laughs> Here we go, Chris. She was she was getting on you for not riding since you were 17. And then I, she was getting on me that when I, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, when I bought my first bike as an adult, that I almost fell down in the parking lot. It's probably been a good 10 years. I mean, because that was very traumatic. I, you know, I like I said, I didn't just fall off the bike. I fell off the road. Okay. So <laughs> that was a little bit more than just falling off the bike. When you fall off the road, did you lose your balance? Were I did. You, were I did. You I was trying wobbling. to avoid something. You know, I probably was. Were you looking somewhere where you weren't supposed to be looking? I wasn't looking, but somehow <laughs> it just—I, you know, my equilibrium just got uh, messed up. I guess I was by the ocean, and you know, I was off kilter. And the next thing you know, I just You're took a tumble. tumbling down the hill. Uh, yeah. Oh my. Yeah, it was not a good scene. Wow. Like I said, when the rest of them realized that I was missing in action, they stopped and waited for me. I was walking the bicycle. Was the uh, tire uh, no bent? Nothing. No. Mm-mm. Or the frame bent or no. anything? No. No, I was bent. <laughs> okay, I was bent, bent and out of shape. I was bent out of shape. Yeah, but I'm still very interested in in bicycles, and I think that uh, I, I've been thinking about investing in one. Because I know it's excellent exercise. It is. It's a good way to get around. And, you know, I think that we really, in, in looking at the environment, there are a lot of times when I could do something on a bicycle where I jump in my car right now and do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And I really don't need to. And then I'm just too lazy to walk to the place because I don't leave it enough time to get there. Mm-hmm. But a bicycle, to me, is still a very viable way to get around. If you don't have to worry about 
you know, wanting to get sweaty if it's warm or how you look, you know, making sure you have sunglasses or, you know, even now I have, I have a couple pair of pants, you know, with the padded seat. Okay. In the pants. <laughs> in the pants. In the pants. Well, yeah, that's the bike pants. Right. You know, because the seats on bicycles, that's another interesting thing, the history of the seats on bicycles. They're called saddles. And the reason they're called saddles is because it's just taken from a horse. But, and they're designed like that, but it's like uh, there was a guy who, I can't remember his name, but he, he, taught, he designed a seat that had two, they were one for each cheek, I, w- I would say. They were like uh, round discs that were padded, and they were probably about six inches across, and you would sit both cheeks down, one on, one on each pad, and it was a lot more comfortable than the narrow saddle. Well, because it's like real. You know, we all are bi-cheeked, so, you know, why wouldn't you have a little spot there for both cheeks? Yeah. Then well, some people have bigger cheeks than others, and now you got to have like a custom-made cheek bike seat. Yeah, I'm sure they have custom custom seats made. For Small, you. medium, large, and extra large. They, they also have the uh, like uh, memory foam ones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious, <laughs> they do, and they're very comfortable. Gel foam, they're gel foam. Okay. See, now you're talking my language there, because the more comfortable the seat, and that's always one of the problems. It too. has to be comfortable. It has to be. You know, because those Tour de France guys, you know, one of the problems that they have, even though they are in great shape, is that they have a lot of testicular problems because of the seats. Well, and if you ride a bike a long time, that is a problem. That is going to be a problem. Especially with those kind of hard leather seats like that, narrow and... And we know that men are very, very, very concerned about their testiculars. (laughs) Yes, we are. (laughs) (laughs) To ride or not to ride. No, thinking about also riding around the St. Louis area, we have the New Deer Creek Trail right down yes. here. And what the Beautiful. area is doing, I'm trying to remember the name of it, they're putting all the trails together. So you can actually ride Deer Creek down to Grant's uh, River Trail. To, River to Pear. Yes, the Great Rivers Greenway. The Great Rivers Greenway. Yes, they are, they're linking all these trails. You can catch one out of downtown, go across the river. There's a bunch of trails, and thank you, Bill, uh, for this. You. You can, the Shoto Greenway, take the St. Vincent Greenway, the Mississippi Greenway, but over in Illinois, they've got it all on the old tracks that they've torn up. You could, you take the wrong turn. We went, ended up going 23 more miles than we wanted to go. Yeah, it's horrible. You gotta, make, gotta pay attention. <laughs> yeah, that, that, or pay the price. <laughs> or, or you'll be walking your bike like you did when yeah, you fell off the trail. That's either. right, off the whole road. No, but, but you know, the thing too is that, you know, when you ride, you have to be able to judge how far you really can go because you have to always get back. Correct. So, okay, I'm riding, and yes, I can do 15 miles. It's not 15 miles. It's 30 miles because you have to go 15 in one way and 15 in the other. Well, you plan. You get a map like this that I have in front of me, and you get an odometer on your bicycle. So you plan out, okay, I've gone seven and a half, and that's time to turn around. Right, and you have to, I would think, just like with any type of exercise, that you need to kind of pace yourself. Don't start out, I'm going to do the 15-mile route, and you haven't been on the bike in 10 years like me. Because like I said, it's not 15 miles. It, you know, it's like I get there, now I have to call Uber. <laughs> get get <laughs> home. Uber. <laughs> or if you had a pedago, you could just go. That is true. And when we talk to Bill, I'm going to find out just how much exercise do you really get when you have a pedago. That's a good question. I'm sure he's prepared for that. He's probably prepared for everything. He came with his bottle, his water bottle. He came with He came with a map us, of the sack. Great Rivers That's Greenway. That's right. He had a helmet on. I mean, he was just, I'm excited to talk to him. So here's some things. And as a bike rider, I, I know this, and this is one of my pet peeves, is when people walk on the bike path, especially in Forest Park, because there's a walking path and there's a bike path. But some people like to walk on the bike path. 
because the bike path is asphalt. Why would you want to walk on asphalt when you could walk on gravel? Like gravel, like very fine gravel. Yes, Okay. Right. Or you're walking your dog on the bike path. So, because you always have to say, on your left, on your left, ah. on your left. So keep right and pass on the left. These are the rules. Share the path. No motorized vehicles. Keep right and pass on the left. Yield to pedestrians unless they're walking on the bike path. <laughs> <laughs> Bill's shaking his head over there. Do not block the path. Obey traffic signs. I see people you know, blow red lights or blow stop signs. or. I see that up in Webster all the time. I saw it this week where I was behind uh, a cyclist. Mm-hmm. And he just blew straight through all of the stop signs. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I, and I... I thought maybe that might have been part of bicycle etiquette, that they didn't have to stop. So now you're saying that they should stop. At least, you know, when I'm riding, I at least slow down. If nobody's there, you know, I don't blow through it, but I slow down because it says stop. And you're supposed to obey like the motorized vehicles, especially if there's a motorized vehicle at the stop. Exactly. Now, you know, I have a question because you were talking about that motorized vehicles like the Pedego cannot be on the bike path. So... When we get Bill here, I'm going to ask him, where does the pedago go? I'm th- where's the pedago go? <laughs> that's, that's right. That's a good question. I'm thinking motorized vehicles. They're talking about like motorcycles or uh, mopeds or three-wheelers or f- four-wheelers, that kind of stuff. Well, what, what distinguishes them from the pedago? If you really think about it, is it speed and velocity? But don't answer that because then we're taking Bill's thunder away from him. Okay. All right. These are questions, Bill. Get ready. Do we do we have a thunder sound? Uh, we don't have a, th- a thunder sound deal, do we? No, I can give you a foghorn, though. <laughs> like a go blues or something. <laughs> so no, uh, please take a look at the Great Rivers Greenway. If you haven't been out, the River to Parrot, we don't want to go right now because it's uh, the water's high. But that's a very good one. You can go down to Coronelette Park, tool around Coronelette Park. There's beautiful areas there. I like to go down and ride to Coronelette Park. Also, uh, Cliff Cave Park has a great one. It's down right by the river. I like looking at the river, if you didn't know that. You can go down by Jefferson Barracks Park. It's not a long trail. I think it's like two and a half, three miles around, all the way around. That's a good one for me. You can do it several times. And there's also overlooks on the river. And plus, it's near, you can go over, drive drive over near the cemetery. Yeah. Uh, that's, That's very interesting. Then we all know about the big one out in St. Charles that goes across the state, the Katy Trail. And that's one of those gravel, uh, chit gravel kind of trails. That's pretty flat. Obviously, it was a train trail, so you're not going to have hills there. That's a good one, too. That is a good one. Because you can stop along the way. There are different stops along the way, several wineries along there. There's some Airbnbs or, or B&Bs there. You can do that. That would be an interesting way. And then there's some of these I've never heard of. So we'll have to check them out. And then I want to know, too, You know, can you, and I guess you should be, able to get stopped for pedaling under the influence yes i'm sure you can you can get stopped for riding a riding lawnmower under the influence it, really yes somebody's gonna like ride up in your in your yard <laughs> no they're they're riding down the street and oh they they get pulled over for a dui no nobody's ever done that in my neighborhood i guess it's just in florida <laughs> and strange things happen in florida we know that that's that's correct strange things always happen in florida so i guess too if you were even thinking about you know the golf carts and things like that you know people could get into some serious trouble riding under the influence yes and i always thought it'd be a great place to ride on the golf course on the on the golf cart paths but you should not do that oh why is that well somebody actually got killed doing that they ran into a golf cart wow yeah 
So not a good thing to do. Now, okay, well, we're going to learn a lot from Bill coming up. So stay tuned. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton of Intune. You're listening to KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri.